you just you just start running and introduce the show and say what we're going to be doing while we're packing about? I will. Again, again, I did that when you came. I know, but it disappeared. Welcome to North East South, podcast about, but not about design. This is episode 41, and it's our Christmas special, Christmas shopping special. Uh, it's myself, Rob Turpin, and John Elliman, as usual. And tonight, we have a very special guest, Alid Lewis, who's joining us. Welcome, Alid. Thanks very much, Rob. Thanks, John. You're welcome. It's great to have you. And we, you're our first guest. In uh, We nearly made it to a whole year in a show that was meant to have guests. <laughs> <laughs> we love well, the sound of our finished. own voices. <laughs> so don't ruin it for all possible future guests, Alid. <laughs> So we're going to follow the normal format of the show where we just talk, waffle about what we've been up to. Um, we're going to quickly look at news this week because we've obviously got lots more to talk about and um, have a quick chat with Valid about his work. And then we're going to talk about um, Christmas presents and what's on your wish lists, um, what you don't want and what you recommend. Uh, so it should be should be fun. Marvellous. Has everyone got a Christmas tipple? Yeah, I do. I've got several lined up at the moment. I've got a, um, I've got a sherry to accompany uh, the uh, the pie that I've got, and I've got. I also picked up a a crabby's alcoholic ginger beer. I fancy something a bit spicy and fruity for Christmas. That's a good mix. Yeah. And yeah. what have you well, got? I'm Rob? on the port as usual. I'm on the port as usual, John. <laughs> <laughs> Yourself? Uh, a cup of tea. And uh, some f- some sparkling water, <laughs> you know, just to just to uh, underline my southernness. <laughs> well, you're not as southern as Alice, are you? Uh, what do you mean? Am I southern? Aren't you? Oh, southern! Oh, yeah, big fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty southern. I, I'm, I don't know, actually, John, you're, you're from the coast of Dorset, are you? No, well, I'm, no I, I was no, I, you're 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 from the coast, aren't you? You're a Windsor boy, aren't you? Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm a. I'm a Wessex boy. I'm from the, the coast of Hampshire. I was a little disappointed that you you didn't bellow out in a Welsh baritone. To be honest, Alid. <laughs> I know. Not knowing where you came from, I just jumped to conclusions. It's, it's a pretty safe conclusion. I've got a. Uh, my name is just about as Welsh as it gets. So, um, yeah, people are, usually Welsh people are disappointed when they hear yeah. me speak. Is your middle name Arianwen or Mithanwi? It's, it's close, actually. Shall I start? Uh, Go on, yes, you must now. Ready for this? Green. Oh. <laughs> That's right. And you must roll the R as well. Oh, uh, I couldn't possibly. <laughs> but but right, your, so your, your parents are Welsh speakers, aren't they? They, they, you, are they from, you are from that yeah, way. They, uh, oh, yeah, that my, makes, my dad is, a, is a very, from a very kind of... A, a remote Welsh village, and Welsh is his first language. My mum is uh, is uh, study Welsh at Aberystwyth, so their Welsh creden- credentials are, are pretty pretty good, pretty solid. Absolutely. Yeah, but um, yeah, mine aren't so aren't so uh, bright. Well, let off. <laughs> so, what's everyone been up to this week? Yeah, I have been um, trying to cook up some um, some toy stories that are. Um, I had a conversation with John a little while back about making um, Toy Story stickers for um, on iMessages, and I, I think they have them on other platforms as well. John is very keen on stickers. <laughs> um, well, he uh, 
it, it rubbed off me because I'm I've been trying to think about how to use existing. I, I make these toy dioramas that I I sell in mainly on greetings cards. Yeah. Um, but I was trying to um trying to think. I'm trying to think of at least a dozen to twenty to begin with. Um, of little um toy um little. Uh, kind of emojis, I guess, is what they'd be, mm. um, photographed and with a speech bubble and that kind of thing. So I've been working on those and trying to trying to trying to trying to kind of um, work from existing successful ones and create new ones as well that kind of fit into um, the 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 kind of the language of the stickers and that kind of thing. So um, yeah, that's what I've been working working on. And um, and uh, although I've had a quiet year in general 2016 i did get a quite a sweet um email last week from a little company called penguin Never that, heard of them. to do it that want me to do a, a book cover wow so, yeah uh, they'd seen my my gatsby cover that i'd done as a kind of a as a just a um just as, as something that i wanted to make oh that's the the one where he's the cocktail glasses, though. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. The one. yeah. And they 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 picked it up, and I think the author had been keen on it. And the he's dead. Director. He's dead, mate. <laughs> <laughs> They're having you on, Alan. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a it's an interesting project for sure. So um, uh, and and the, also the subject of the book is about kind of political activism, which is right on my street really and it's it's a it's a pretty it's a kind of modest project but it's um it's kind of a good foot in the door it's, it's one of my kind of design bucket list things i think to do a cover for penguin so fingers crossed they like what i do for them in the new year and and um that something comes of that yeah look forward to seeing that mm, cheers mr element how's your week been uh yeah but uh really manic and um uh, busy uh, i've had the sort of the, the rumblings of the flu um but oh. an early night last night and some spanish flu medicine and not spanish flu <laughs> <laughs> or spanish fly um they uh yeah as uh as, as not me into shape this morning because i went to bed at nine last night feeling lousy and i feel a lot better today so i've been doing that trying to finish two websites and also um just juggling work over the christmas periods really tricky this year for some reason just trying to get people to agree to dates and then i went to see my daughter in a in a church nativity today which was lovely uh she 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 was the uh, only angel with a dustpan and brush that she'd found backstage (laughs) (laughs) cleaning the cleaning the uh, does uh stables do get a bit they are a bit yeah the vicar gave me a funny shot when i started making jokes about um cleaning up the manger um but yeah so that was good um other than that uh yeah that's it really um uh just working um feeling rough and i'm dealing with uh poor old bingo is um getting worse i'm afraid so uh, yeah he's um he's on a terminal decline that's why i was a bit late tonight i was clearing up um a pool of uh of we that he'd left for me and I got oh, down. Man. So, um, it's the drugs he's on, but, um, yeah, we'll have a good Christmas with him. Good. Yeah. That's a, a nice way to look at it. I think. Yeah. yeah. What have you been doing, Rob? Well, this is the first week for like a month and a half that I've not been 
freelancing in Shoreditch, so it was perfect timing because I had a bunch of commissions that had to be out in the post to arrive by Christmas. So my weekend and the first couple of days of this week were just spent drawing, which was great. And I got lots done. Everything, the last commissions went out today. So that's kind of quite a nice weight off my shoulders. Uh, one of the commissions went to the wonderfully named town of Waxahachie in Texas. Which is always quite nice when I send out commissions, kind of because they go, you know, everywhere um, to these you know, kind of curiously named places in America quite often. So I often, uh, I generally have a look, see see what these places look like. And Waxahachie looks really nice, actually. If you're ever in Texas. Have your sales okay. gone up because of the pound? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Uh, well, I don't know. A lot of them do go to America. Yeah, but, um, yeah, um, and that's it. That's been my week, really. I got a very lovely Christmas card from yourself today, John, which was delivered by your lovely wife. Uh, very nice, beautifully drawn and printed, must say. Yeah, thanks. That <laughs> <laughs> no, was really nice. Um, As ever, we've we've not got around to writing Christmas cards yet. Right, um, right possible that might not happen. Oh, well, my wife is pretty, uh, pretty on it. So, yeah. you know, I was, I was told of the project last month. Yeah, good work. <laughs> you are, Alid, well, this would get into a whole bone of contention, but uh, you're a designer stroke illustrator. Um, yeah. And you are, you were born, what year? When were you born? Were you born in the 80s? Yes, the 1982. Wow. Jesus Christ. <laughs> And uh, and you were born in Portsmouth, and um, so so growing up, did you always make make things? Um, you know, draw things. Were you always artistic? Um, yeah, I guess so. Um, I was always I, I always remember being encouraged by my parents to draw, and I remember being told that I was good at doing it from a quite an early age. My mum would enter me into competitions and like local ones, you know, like church competitions and drawing competitions, anything that she, anything that was within my age range that kind of came within her earshot, I think she'd kind of put me forward to. And I, and I won a couple of those. And, and it, I guess that, that was the earliest, um, that, that kind of motivates you, or at least it makes you, makes you believe that you're good at doing it. And <laughs> that's the reason why I kept on doing it, I guess. I enjoyed doing it. It's, it's widely being reported here that John and I have won nothing, so you're, you're already doing pretty well. John does have a, a, a certificate from Lego, I believe. Yeah, so that, that's as good as we get. Yeah, yeah, no, that's amazing. Yeah, my, yeah I mean, my, when you my, said my, that, when you said that, Rob, my head twisted to one side to look at my <laughs> my <laughs> credentials. <laughs> uh, righty, sir, John. Oh, I've cricked it now. <laughs> so Alad, it's yeah. uh, most of your work that I've seen is kind of digital or kind of photographic or that very little of it seems sort of in a traditional medium so you say you were kind of always good at drawing and you're encouraged to draw mm. so when did that when did you kind of get into the digital side of things um my earliest um, I, my start in digital was would have been in about um, ninety um, ninety like 
five, six, something like that. Okay. And, and it all and it started just with having an interest in goofing about and making things in in paint. It would have been at the time. Um, and I, I remember making a really convincing bit mapped ID um, of myself because I I always looked very young and I needed to make myself a little a little ID that would get me served. And um, that was one of my earliest um, serious visits. <laughs> into digital creating and that was and i just and i felt and i found i was reasonably good at it it was fun and from there it kind of i i just i'd make goofy photoshopped i, I use the word photoshop but i mean it was paint at the time yeah. but like silly digital digitally constructed images that would amuse people um and i guess that's really where it started and um and and, and i carried on carried on from there when i went to uni i got obviously got a like everyone does get a bootleg copy of photoshop and um and then it just yeah carried on from there really and did that did was what was your kind of gateway drug into uh digital stuff was it because you're a gamer um that- yeah no I, I wouldn't say because i was a gamer i mean I, i'd always been actually maybe that's maybe there is some truth in that because i'd always been comfortable using a computer and i know that lots of people um my age in the 90s would have, like it it's, the computer was for it nerds and you wouldn't really touch one but i I'd, I'd would we had my dad had a, a 286 would it be maybe I, it, when we were in, in hong kong he bought it off the guy who lived in the flat before us i think um with a bunch of games and and it was a it was a dos based um machine so you'd need to learn and through trying and error, different inputs and codes and that kind of thing. So I'd always, I'd always been comfortable using a computer, um, and that's why I guess that's my that's my starting computing as well. Which not computing, but using computers for yeah, yeah. digital, being comfortable using it as a medium. I guess, yeah. Cool. So when you um, do, were you aware of graphic design as a as a as a pastime as a kid or is it something you just sort of drifted into as you got into art school or were you aware of it before before you went to art school um no because i didn't go to art school i did art at school i did art at i did art at gcse and i did art a level um and we had a really good art department at our school that that was really um it really they they had a lot of the facilities were great. The teaching was great and the direction there was really good. And the same with the tech tech department in our school was really good as well. So I had a real, um, a real advantage, I guess, in that respect. Um, I didn't go to art school. I went to university to study industrial design when I was 18 after having done my A-levels. And um, I thought I, I was kind of walking in the, following the footsteps of the guy who was my tutor in my sick form, who was a really, um, really nice guy who was kind of influential, I guess, in that respect. And I'd gone on to do industrial design, which is what he'd done at, at Loughborough at the same university. But um, it was just, it was just so heavy. It was, it was so um, maths and electronics heavy. Uh, it just, I, I lost interest in it and, um, I wanted to make. I, I haven't. I, I still do have an interest in gadgets and things that how things work. But I just didn't. I didn't have the patience um, or the interest in making those things. So, um, 
So I ended up losing interest in that degree and ended up going back to study graphic design about five years later. Which is when you'd moved to London, right? Exactly right. And um, yeah, I'd, 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 moved, I'd, left, I'd left Loughborough and come home for a little while. And, and Rob, actually, I mentioned him a podcast, how he'd, he had a, a great time working at a call centre. Am I right about that, Rob? <laughs> Oh yeah, um, I, did same, I did the same thing, and, and but it was actually two things. It, it 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 wasn't it was it was miserable work, but I met my wife there, which is a, a good thing, and it gave, it made me kind of take stock, I guess, made me realise um, what I definitely didn't want to do, um, and I love drawing, I love creating things, and so it gave me kind of the the uh, a rocket to to. Um, to start studying graphic design again um, or design and uh, see what I could make a career of it basically. And, and you were at that point you were thinking graphic design was the career rather uh, than kind of the more yeah, illustrative. Yeah, I had, I, I think what it, what it was I, at the time I was in my, in my own spare time, I'd been doing paintings acrylic paintings that I'd, that I'd been selling on eBay and they were really very derivative and um, I, I don't even like looking at pictures of them these days, but it, they were, they were kind of very pop culture based, but very, um, um, they're a bit crap. Let's just put it that way. But, Desperately but, want to see them now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they were, but they were a, a like a really important creative output that, that kept um, that little kind of uh, pilot light, burning away and um made me made me think and when i started selling stuff on ebay i guess that's when i first started thinking you know i do there is i can if i can find a way to monetize this properly or 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 hone um my um ability then i I should be able to make 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 this work and that's when i just realized i just i need to do a do a degree in graphic design um and because I, I, I felt that was a way to getting towards the career that I wanted to do. I didn't even really know what graphic design was, I, um, but I knew that that like drawing stuff and making things look nice was what I wanted to do. That's amazing, isn't it? That we keep coming up against that all the time, Rob. Is there uh, people getting into graphic design um, without? knowing really what it was <laughs> yeah it's, it's like a creative sociology <laughs> yeah people do it media they don't quite know what else yeah no, yeah no it's re- it's really incredible um you do get the occasional person you know that said that they started copying typefaces you always get it in interviews don't you especially in that yeah. off-screen magazine where that you know like, yeah i was copying typefaces off the back of a kellogg's packet when i was three <laughs> um but no i no i wasn't i wasn't i was in the garden setting fire to action man <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, well, no, it's when you said, Alad, um, about when you started to sell things on eBay that you realized that that was kind of the direction you wanted to go in. Yeah. If we go a bit further down the line, is there a point at which, for me, I've you know I've been illustrating for, uh, coming on for a couple of years now, you know, trying to make it work. And I still think of myself as an, kind of a, a wannabe illustrator. Is there a point at which you you went from thinking of yourself as I want to be a an illustrator designer mm. to a point where you thought actually that's what I'm doing? Was there a a piece of work that you produced or you know? Uh, I think it was some it sort was, of recognition. Yeah, I think it was. Um, well, I, I went to, to study in London and um, 
at a study graphic design at London Metropolitan. It, it's not a, it's not a prestigious um, institute or a, or a degree, but it was. It, I just saw it as a as a as a means to an end, a way for me to spend time um, as a student with um, out many responsibilities and a lot of time. And and in in that time, if I wanted to make something um, happen, then I could. And I, and I guess I did because I started. And, and this is this is I get I don't know I guess it's chance to a degree but I was I started studying at a time when um, threadless were kind of getting um, becoming really big um, and uh, uh, someone had introduced actually one of John's um, John's wife um, friends had, had introduced me to threadless and um, and I'd, I'd had a look and actually before before that before i'd gone on there i'd i'd had these design ideas and i, I remember actually applying to I, I think i'd applied to a bunch of the university of the arts colleges with these um um t-shirt ideas concepts that i'd had and looking back they're even worse than the paintings <laughs> i was selling on ebay they're so, they're so terrible and I, I can't you know i'm amazed some of the interviews lasted as long as they did but it they they i, I started off by thinking oh i can i can do t-shirt design is really easy and um and then i saw the quality of the work that was being produced and um and i tried submitting some of my own ideas some of the ones i'd already done some new ones and um and it was a very very steep learning curve but i i was so interested in succeeding and getting a t-shirt printed um and this this was in the the second year i think it would have been of my degree um and it got to the point where I, I and then I then I had a T-shirt printed. It must have been two thousand and seven, I think it was. Um, and it was and it was loads of money for a student. It was like a thousand dollars or something. And oh, yeah. suddenly I had like um, it would be like seven hundred quid or something like that. And I was like, wow, I could I could really do with more of that. And um, and so I just almost kind of dedicated my time to doing T-shirt designs and coming up with ideas. And, um, but I didn't allow my, I didn't allow my kind of university stuff to fall by the wayside. I did my degree. Um, I did what was necessary to, 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 to get a decent pass. Um, but yeah, most of my second and third year were just making, earning money doing t-shirt designs. Well, they always say you're going to learn more kind of doing the work than you will studying. So, um, it's probably a wise move. That's, that's definitely my experience. I think, um, you can you can learn you can learn a lot at, at uni and through studying through um, foundation years and that kind of thing. But um, yeah, there's nothing there's nothing like actually going out there yourself and trying to sell your work and succeeding. I think it's, well, it's uh, quite an uncompromising audience as well, isn't it? Because the way Threadless works is you know if a t-shirt doesn't get enough votes, it doesn't get printed. Yeah, exactly. And 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 also, I mean, there's so many. This I could talk for for ages about threadless and um how it helped me and how it was such a great learning tool as a creative because because the the feedback um the feedback's really good was really good and you know often brutal often inaccurate often <laughs> accurate um but yeah it's it was just such a great way to learn um and it it, it, it felt like i was really at the cold face whereas um doing um Doing the degree just felt like um, doing kind of going through the motions, doing case studies and and that. Yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah. So it's pretty cool that you managed to get to that point before you'd even left college. 
Yeah, it is. But bear in mind, I mean, I was I was a mature student, so I think I was would have been about twenty. Um, uh, I don't know what it'd been mid twenties, maybe early mid twenties. So you know, I was a bit I was a bit older than I would have liked to be. But Threadless wasn't around five years earlier, and that that opportunity wouldn't have been there. And if mm. you know, um, but the the, if, yeah. the interesting thing here is obviously that the the course was probably designed five years before you turned up and yes. you were doing stuff that the course had no idea how to teach. And subsequently you, I think you were the first generation really of designers and illustrators who've come up, who have been able to sell their work directly to, to the world. And obviously everybody's doing it now, but you were kind of the vanguard. Your, your age group was the yeah. vanguard of that, wasn't it? It was the first wave of being able yeah. to, of not having to go through the studio system yeah, to learn yeah. your trade. Yeah, I mean, there, there were people. There were people on Threadless who were making names for themselves without any, without having got any kind of major clients or working for any big agencies or anything like that. There were there's some, um, yeah, it was it's a, a really good way to to learn. And the, the only the only um, I guess contention for this uh, us I guess is if, if you think of us as a group of people of young of, of designers at that time who were using the internet to get spread their work and get work and get paid was that there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of, uh, crowdsourcing, um, that is, is in, is, is, you know, it's not, it's not the design industry doesn't really like it. Clients who don't want to pay anything like it, but as a profession, it's not, it's, it's, um, some people see it as kind of undercutting, other people when you when you're pitching work for free essentially so there was always that that discussion always kind of parallel with what we we're doing as well um and i know there's a lot of people that especially people who would do submit lots of designs spend a lot of time creating things and not not getting anything out of it that was difficult to see i guess um and those people would be frustrated about how they, I guess some people probably felt a bit exploited by the, that kind of a system, but it worked for some people, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's tricky. We've talked an awful lot about that kind of um, approach in design for some reason, it, it, for particularly in threadless, you know, although if you break it down, it's this, it's a similar kind of thing. It seems a lot fairer. <laughs> I don't know why it just seems more reasonable. Um, that approach. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, I, I, the other thing, the other thing is as a, as a kind of um, an epilogue now to Threaders. I mean, it still exists and it's still a, a great company, and the people there are really nice, cool people. But the 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 way that it functions as a design competition has changed significantly in the last few years. So it's not it's not really to submit a design idea and get it marked out of five and um, yeah and that kind of thing. Is the the, the the whole system has changed quite a lot now. Um, and actually there's much more focus on creating shops of your own that, that aren't de- designs that aren't really, um, they're not vetted by peers or, or yeah. critics or anything like that. Um, but they're just, you, you create them and put them out there and if people buy them, then they, they do one. And if they don't, then they don't sell cause, cause the printing methods of course have changed in the last 10 years as well. So there's direct garment printing, which makes screen printing too expensive. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's changed even in that even in this sort of five ten year period, it's changed again. It's hard to keep up, but it I get. Really <laughs> but I bet with the learning with a limited palette really helped you because if you'd now had just full color 
riot um oh, that yeah. wouldn't have given you those limitations would it? it it was one of the it was one of the real real um it was a problem solving um aspect of design yeah. which is fun as well it was <clears> like when i started i think you had like a three color palette right. so three three spot colors um for the screen print and you'd have to make, and they didn't really have sophisticated halftones or anything like that. So it would be pretty, pretty standard flat um, colors. But people were, were able to make some really amazing stuff out of just those limitations. That would be part of the fun. And, he, and actually, when when direct garment printing came in and they did process color printing came in, there was actually a bit of a there was um, quite a few screen print. Um, Puritans that didn't want to <laughs> <laughs> smash the smash yeah. the digital yeah. machine. <laughs> so um, let's let's fast forward right through um, because you uh, let's take the context of a lot of your work is 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 mixing elements of popular culture and putting them into places where they don't belong um, right. and sort of working with that on often that's a humorous positioning that you do. But the last year or so, you've taken a turn towards. Uh, more serious um, aspect, more which is term, yeah. no, not cynic, no. But you've moved more into politics. Um, yeah, is I that some, is that something conscious that you're going to be doing permanently, or is that just a was that just a temporary thing during the American it, election? It, it's something that I, I've always loved politics, um, and I've always loved pop culture, and um, it's something that I wanted to do. It is make make something. Um, I, I just I, I like to make things that are relevant to the things that I like, and politics is one of those things. And um, you know, it's not it's not it's not a, it's not a conscious kind of change of direction. I'm still going to make goofy stuff, but it was um, it, I, I just wanted to do something. I, this year felt like the right time to make something. And um, but it, I'm, I've got to say, politics is much more consuming than pop culture. It is it's exhausting. It really is. It's been a different kind of a year for me, for sure. But um, because a lot of the stuff that I've done after I did the Bernie poster was, um, I did a lot of artwork that was kind of connected to it. Quite quite a, a fair amount of like free um, stuff that I did for the campaign and like the peripheral parts of the the campaign. For just can uh, I just put in for anyone who hasn't seen it, can you just describe that uh, kind of original that first Bernie poster? Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, it is an image of um, Bernie Sanders from from the better silhouette image um, of um, Bernie, and he's got a quite he's got a a fairly identifiable silhouette, and he he does this um, arm raised, um, the classic kind of rebel pose, and um, because he has a kind of ill fitting jacket, his kind of shoulders sit up on his <laughs> on his uh, on his uh, arms, and it's uh, it is kind of quite a quite um, easily identifiable and then within that silhouette there was I, I'd created a kind of a, a very loosely drawn um, crowd of people that was that was disappearing off into the horizon onto a horizon point um, and the text on it said um, uh, not me us which is something that he said um, during a speech um, during a rally in um, Iowa I think it was um, so yeah it, it was um it was it was taken up by the campaign and and the, the um, supporters really liked it. Kind of it seemed to hit hit the, the a note with them that that um, they felt that it spoke to the the nature of the campaign that he was running. And so yeah, it was really that was really fun to be a part of that for sure. And it's still I still am part of that that kind of 
it's an ongoing story in America at the moment that politics, as you may know, yeah. um, and it's still it's still unfolding, and Bernie still is playing an interesting role in it. So, um, yeah, I continue to be interested and in, and in, engaged with it even now. Can you uh, you weren't tempted to do a similar poster for Jeremy Corbyn? No, I, mean, I wasn't. It, does, it doesn't really. I was thinking about that as well. It doesn't. You people would be very cynical of a kind of uh, call to action poster in the UK, wouldn't they? Unless it was really campaigning on a single issue um, for just yeah. a one one politician. Uh, you wouldn't see Cameron ones, would you? <laughs> when was the last? When was the last uh, kind of politician centred campaigning political poster in the UK? Probably nineteen fourteen and Hague, wasn't it? <laughs> and Americans do love like it does it works well with their with their their political um kind of um, the ra- the rally language. cry yeah it does it, it and and it 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 worked the other the, the interesting one of the interesting bits of feedback that I got repeatedly was that i i I used for the for the colors in the bernie poster i used i drew from a lot of south American um revolutionary images which are much more vibrant much more colorful so I had like yellows and greens and and blues and whites and reds in there, and and a lot of the the feedback was like, well, shouldn't it? Why? What is this? Why isn't it red, white, and blue? It should be red, white, and blue. Um, they have a very um, not everyone actually. But to be to be fair, the Bernie supporters on on the whole were really um, really receptive to to that that um, visual language. Um, whereas a lot of a lot of Americans, it was unusual. It, it looked too communist. Some people, some were saying. Um, but I just I, I thought that was really interesting. It's a great poster. Oh, thanks, thanks. Very Regardless much. of your, kind of your political views, it's just a, a great image. Yeah, thanks. I'm, I'm happy with it. It's, it was good. It was really good fun to work on. And uh, shame he's not president. Yeah, that would have been, would have been yeah. nice. <laughs> just uh, staying with that. Did you cop any flack for supporting Bernie? I mean, illustration is quite often, if it's not overtly p- political, it's usually uh kind of completely non-political so yeah. for a, a kind of an illustrator who is kind of known to seemingly suddenly veer towards a, a political viewpoint I, I think, yeah I, I think um i mean the, the creative industry as as a whole is is pretty sympathetic to the left and to yeah. towards kind of liberal progressive ideas so um i got it was you know, it was mostly support. The only, the only, um, and the only kind of the people who didn't like it were people that were, you know, Trump supporters who go out their way to tell me that, especially being a Brit, that I should mind my own business and not interfere in American politics and that kind of thing. Yeah. But um, no, people, people, people liked it. I think on the whole, brilliant. And what's next for you then? Um. I don't know. I, I need to really. I, I really need to try and think think of a of a decent project in the new year. And I, I think what I'm going to try and do is do a make something every day. And I and I feel like I say this to myself often, but I'm really going to do it this time, and I mean it. Um, I did one a couple of years ago. Um, <laughs> That's, I've written a list of questions here, Alid, and that was one of mine. Yeah. It was 2011 make something three six five. Did you make it? <laughs> no, I made I made it for. Um, I made it for about a month and a half, but within that month and a half, I, I, I did enough work. I, enough stuff came from that that month and a half to that, that I 
you know, I'm still earning money from stuff that I made in that. I can I can see that. I mean, I looked through it and I'd forgotten all that work that you've done. And um, but that was just in a month and a half. That stuff you fed on, you fed your family for a long time. It's it's, it's (laughs) super impressive. You know, you should be really proud of that. It's a little bit embarrassing that I haven't done more to be put, especially this year. It's it's been a been a funny year, but I do I I really do want to kind of get back in the in the saddle and and make more stuff in 2017. That's my that's my vow. That's my next project. I think make something again. Make something every day. Cool. How did you How did you find it, Rob? Making a, making a illustration each day. Um. Well, when I started the Droid a Day thing, I thought I'm going to do this for a month, and then for some reason, when I put the first one up, I wrote a year, and <laughs> kind of, you know, it was a it was brilliant for me, but it, I also regretted it you know several times during that year so it was it was tough i think finding the time was it a year that you did it for yeah you made it the whole year amazing i did yeah not like some people who only make a month and a half (laughs) slackers yeah (laughs) um i did but you know they they really varied from you know little scribbles that i don't want anyone to ever look at again to when i had a bit more time I'd, i'd spend as much time as i could on them but I think the thing that I took out of it was that if I can do a project every day for a year, it kind of shows me that I've got the the will and the whatever to to kind of tackle any project. Yeah, which, which I think kind of starting out in illustration is quite an important lesson because even trying to make a career in it seemed daunting. Um, sort of a couple of years ago. Um, and after I'd completed that project, I kind of thought, well, I've kind of done that. So, you know, uh, you know, if I'm working on a, a client for something for a, a month or two months, then it's all doable. After you've done something every day for a year, yeah. kind of everything else seems a little bit more achievable. Yeah, for sure. And you must have must have seen your and felt that you'd improved just by being productive every day for a year, surely. Yeah, and on the back of that i think there's barely been a day go by now when i haven't drawn something and i get kind of hd cranky now when i don't draw so that was that was the other big plus that came out of it really getting into the habit of drawing every day and loving it most days (laughs) should we on to some news now let's um let's stay in graphic arts um i heard pick me up has been closed it's not going to happen again at somerset house um yeah and uh it seems that some people celebrate celebrated that saying that it would run out run its course um uh and i i guess you know i wrote in the notes that it's it's constantly accused of being an athena for people of a certain taste um but what is there without it you know is there um for that kind of illustrator graphic design crossover is that there's no other exhibition around is there i don't know i think there's an awful lot of stuff that's going around you know small galleries having little events and you know print shops running events there's the london illustration fair which is kind of getting bigger and bigger every year and that's the is that start is that this week or next week might have just missed it that's at the oxo tower this year um, and that's moved from kind of like an under the arches thing in Hoxton to the Oxford Tower. So that's, you know, pretty big. Um, whether or not Pick Me Up had run its course, I don't know. I mean, I'd been a couple of times and it was always incredibly crowded, but there's such a variety of stuff 
I don't really think you could you could call it you know an Athena for designers because there's just such a variety. Yeah, yeah. It, it got it seemed to get become more high end as every year went on. Yeah, it started off very um, very kind of lo-fi. Um, it it felt like there was lots of kind of co-op studios. Yeah, with spaces, and then it then it it, it seems like. Um, some of the high-end galleries started taking up spaces there, and all still, all still great work. But it, the nature of it seemed to change, which, which is, well, I guess, you'd imagine that's maybe what they they wanted, but obviously not because it's now stopped. Well, it makes me wonder if you know it's it's uh, um, Somerset House, isn't it? They've stopped supporting it, right? But I wonder if it's anything to do with the fact that they've launched or kind of reinvigorating this studios thing that they've got going yeah, whether so they're going to do yeah they might do something with oh, that okay. like an open studio thing for all their all their artists in residence sort of thing yeah that's a good shout okay next one uh i'm a, a so uh jessica hish or heish we've mentioned her a few times uh american uh, typographer and designer She's done a few beautiful things on her blog about getting paid and why we shouldn't work for free. And she's done a, a great little project called Jessica's Client Email Helper. Um, and it's uh, choose your own email venture below. <clears throat> and you can click on who the client is, what their budget is from non, very low or good. And it generates a email response. So if an ad agency comes to you with a project with no budget it tells you how to respond uh you know ending with please feel free to reach out in the future if there's any uh, another project i think you think i would be a good fit for and there is appropriate compensation and it's really interesting because the clients are it's kind of ad agency general client non-profit charity friend um and um i think it's, it's really interesting we all struggle with sort of saying no to things and particularly kind of when you're starting out, it's difficult to turn things down. Um, But this is really nice. Uh, The way everything's worded kind of explains why you should say no to things, why it isn't a good good idea for for you or the other people in your industry to to accept doing work for little or no pay. Um, Another brilliant little project from Jessica. It is good, yeah. I really like it. It's really... there isn't much out there in, because design isn't an industry that has, um, you know, the, the people who came before. It's, it's an industry that kind of seems to be um, making it up as it goes along a lot of the time. Yeah. People like Jessica are really useful, I think, for especially young students, young designers. Absolutely. Designers of every age, to be honest, who want a little guidance in how to speak to people. I think often we just need a reminder as well. Right. Even if you don't kind of read everything she says, sometimes just the fact that she's put that out there makes you just think, you know, of course, that's I've got to keep I've got to keep bearing that in mind. Yeah. The the fact that she's one of the, you know, top designers or, illust- you know, type designers in the in the world and she's going through these problems. Um, yeah. She's she's not putting it out there, for, you know, for kicks. She's she's obviously having these responses. And if she's having those, imagine, you know, further down the down the mm. f- the food chain like me, you know, the bottom feeders like me. So um yeah, no, right. she 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 always does really great things. I really admire her. I think she's fantastic. Yeah. 
great stuff. It's funny seeing her um, start off as a, a typographer, yeah, as a young um, designer and typographer, and her work being um, recognised for being so good. And she, but she's she has kind of seemed that she she started doing lots of talks and writing a lot of blog posts and opinions, and she's become a kind of a um, a kind of a, a design matriarch, hasn't she? I suppose. Yes. Like a bit of a, a, um, a kind of a design philosopher. Frank Shamiro is quite similar. Yeah, I, I think that I think that that comes from having. She's also she's got one foot in the web community, and the web community with their with their um, conferences, etc., have been a lot more uh, vocal um, in trying to. We've talked about this, haven't we? Sort of make yeah. a vocabulary for new design terms, uh, often unsuccessful, but you know they're trying, and um, and she she's part of that movement, and that's 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 bubbled her up to the top as well hasn't it i guess in the fact that she's constantly talking and engaging with with an audience of, of that, sorts that, the, um, the lady sassy i think her name is do you, do you recognize that yeah i do yeah samantha yeah she's similar isn't she Web-based, i think as well but she was but... a web designer and then just switched to ux or um, right. designing apps and things like that yeah but they're, they're all they all tread similar kind of paths in terms of um, turning like uh, um, e- expressing their um, experiences and, and sharing them and helping and guiding other people that kind of thing. So. Yeah, there's Verl Peters from Belgium. She's a similar yeah. designer. <clears throat> what news from London Town? <laughs> um, one story that that um, I that made me think this week was the um, the story of the. Uh, the, there was a, it was a it's a BBC training, so it's probably been seen far and wide. But it was um, a graphic designer who had very uh, earlier onset Parkinson's, and she had a really heavy tremor. Um, and um, a product designer had been assigned to her to create something that would help her solve this problem. And she came up with this watch that was that is uh, it, it, it it vibrates. I don't know the science behind it, but it, it did something that meant that it was either counteracting the signals or counteracting the tremors themselves. But it meant that this girl who's a graphic designer was able to, for the first time in a very long time, draw a straight line and, and write her own name. Um, and it was all very um, uplifting and uh, emotional. But Did you, did you get any grit in your eye? <laughs> yeah, I did. Watching the yeah. um, no, it, was, it was really nice. And I just, it, was, it was a sweet moment it was it was it's actually it was it was kind of um framed as news but it's it's as the bbc do they kind of plug their programs in this way by making these items out of things that happen in their programming which is a little bit sneaky but i just thought it was a night it was it made me think about um the uh, fragility of the the hands and the eyes and the things that we kind of take for granted as people who work with our our hands and uh and how uh, delicate they are and how I don't have any insurance. <laughs> I think that every time I pick up a scalpel. <laughs> um, and also just, I, I love the, this, the, it was kind of design, um, design talking to each other. So there was this product designer slash inventor slash scientist that was um, making, you know, solving a problem with, with the things that she knew in a, in a, in a um, creative way. Um, and, um, yeah, I just thought it was, and also also kind of touched on wearables as well, which you guys like to talk about every now and again. So, yeah. I thought it was a, well, 
Yeah, I didn't know yeah, what I it was that they'd that. invented, so I, I haven't watched it yet. I saw a lot on Twitter of people just saying, you know, uh, dust in the eye moment yeah, yeah, when yeah. they watched it. Uh, the the bit that I like, the sort of thought that it made me think about is the kind of um, of being a designer and not touching pencils or pens. Because um, it's normally around Christmas time you come to have to hold a pen again for the first time and actually write with proper handwriting. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> when you write your Christmas cards and the addresses on them. Um, and I haven't done it for so long. And I feel that kind of, you know, you start to lose that. If you're not doing it every day and practicing it every day, you start losing that ability. Um, and it becomes harder and harder and more ingrained for me n- n- not to draw. It's hard, it's, you know, it's hard for me to start drawing. Um because I don't do it all the time, so I lose confidence. And I don't know this has got nothing to do with that lady, but it's that kind of similar thing of the freezing of the of a skill that goes away. How do you replace it with anything? Mm. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I will have to watch that, but I'll, I'll watch yeah, it. Yeah, me too. I've only seen clips so far. I'll, get the, uh, I'll get the man sized tissues out for that one. The third third episode last night, I think. So what's next, John? Well, it's Christmas time, Rob. It's been Christmas since October in my house. <laughs> So uh, I thought it would be good to, it's not, we're not run out of time yet. There's still tomorrow is online shopping. When does that end? I don't know. Friday is it? Or is it next oh, week? Oh, if you've got sometime? Amazon Prime, surely the day before Christmas Eve. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, we could, we, we could quickly mention those. Uh, we, we should next week actually talk about the Amazon and the, the latest accusations of their, uh, their warehouse staff, but let's gloss, yes. let's gloss over um, slave <laughs> labor and, uh, <laughs> And talk about all the greedy things you'd like delivered to your house for Christmas. <laughs> By drone, preferably. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, we want to talk about gifts, uh, past Christmas gifts, things that you love getting, things you don't, and recommendations for people to uh, to buy out there. So let's kick off, let's kick off with Rob. Can I, can I just put this out there? First of all, I don't want any more mugs. Right. I don't want anyone ever to buy me another mug. Right. I've got so many mugs. And people are always buying me mugs. Why? Why are you I, a mug kind of person? I don't know. It's just an easy gift, isn't it? Uh, have you, have um, you had a mug cold at any point? No, it's time for a mug cold. To oh, be we're having them all the time. <laughs> Constant mug cold. Yeah. Yeah. So that that would be my uh, dreaded gift ah, right. Christmas time. Another bloody mug. What would your What would your dreaded gift be, Alid, That you get every year that you'd never want. Um, dreaded gift. I guess um, either um, crappy aftershave, just you know, jazz. Uh, <laughs> they still do jazz. <laughs> yeah, it was purple, wasn't it? Is it purple? Purple. I know it was black and white, wasn't it? So, oh yeah. yeah. Well, I'm thinking. I'm thinking of dupe. Dupe. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. Um. Cr- like a crappy aftershave that I, that I would probably just it would sit on the shelf for two years and then I. Get put it, give it to the charity shop, or or socks that aren't any good. I love socks, but um, you know, boring socks. Yeah, boring socks are bad. They've got to be interesting. What about you, John? Um, mine are science projects in retro styled boxes that <laughs> I don't know for some reason everyone thinks that I would love to have. What? Can, still? I, can I still, still? Can I? Can people <laughs> stop buying them for me? <laughs> you you'll have to stop give, exuding that kind of uh, nerdy uh, aura. Then I'm very grateful, but I don't have time to make uh, you know I don't know whatever whatever it is a hydraulic powered you know catapult or whatever. Um, I'd yeah just just give me whiskey socks or books. 
Hang on, let me just check if it's too late to cancel my Amazon delivery. <laughs> <clears throat> so, uh, as a child, ultimate ultimate goal Christmas present: fire. For me, it was it would have been a, a, a video games console. Yeah, which uh, which well, you can be more specific. Well, um, at the time, I didn't really know. I just wanted one that would plug into the TV and work, and um, oh. phone that. So that was the one that always evaded me. It was. The and Nintendo Entertainment System, but yeah. um, but yeah, that's the one I wanted. And never got, but we did. We got we got a Super Nintendo in a couple, a couple of years afterwards. So that was not bad. But that was the one that always evaded me. Uh, yeah, I never, never, ever had uh, a games console as a kid. Uh, I used to, you know, go around to my friends and play on their Atari. Oh, my, the Atari <laughs> Two Six Hundred was, you know, was the yeah. the Holy Grail. Um, and I badgered and badgered and badgered the hell out of my parents for one. And my, uh, the this is this is also my worst ever present because I won Christmas. There it was, a box. It must be the video game. I opened it up. It was a Philips Video Pack G seven thousand, which was their their version of the Atari. That'd probably be worth something now, John. <laughs> you still got it? Uh, no, I had some of the games. I had some of the cartridges actually. Um, uh, you know, it's like being bought, I don't know, it was like being, you know, you wanted a chopper and you bought a, I don't know, a a Barbie d- bike or something like that. Yeah. It's, uh, it just, it just wasn't really, right. Really similar experience to that. Um, and I thought, I thought my parents had finally got me the, the video game TV console that I wanted. And I opened the box and in my euphoria, I was convinced that I'd saw a plug as I opened the box as well. Um, but it was a an A A A A three drawing board, which actually it was a, it was like a draftsman's board. Nice a, parallel a, motion. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I actually really really loved. To be fair, but I just, I remember the the sense of disappointment I felt in that moment was was pretty crushing. But yeah, no, it, it turned out to be pretty a pretty good thing for me then. Yeah. I was never disappointed by my Christmas presents because I always used to find them. My parents used to hide them at the back <laughs> of their wardrobe. Uh, I don't know if they know this. My mum listens to the podcast, so mum, I'm sorry. I did know I was getting a Millennium Falcon long before Christmas. Well, you got one of those ones with the for the like, for the Star Wars models. Yeah, oh. yeah. I had lots of Star Wars. Stuff. You were one of those kids. I think we gave I, it to someone. I had a Stormtrooper, and my sister had Chewbacca, and I think that was about it. <laughs> no, Star Wars was kind of my thing. Star Wars and Lego. I had lots and lots of Star Wars stuff. I used to send away for all the special things by collecting the tokens on the back of the figurine packs. Ah. Talking of yeah. Star Wars, Mr. Lewis, was, yes. it an, was it an early start this morning? <laughs> <laughs> a 6am um, bus, yeah. It's not too far, though, down to the IMAX. It was a nice little jaunt, pretty quiet. Worth I'm it. sure it was. <laughs> well, it was worth it, was it? Yeah, definitely. I, I Obviously, mean... no spoilers. No, no, of course I won't. I won't chat about the, the film itself. But it was, I thought it was really good fun, really nicely, um, a nice compliment to the existing or, or original um, film. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I'll I'm say. Looking, I'm looking forward to it. So, best ever present. What was your best ever present, Alan? Um, gosh, uh, probably the stereo that I got in like '92. I just, I, I really wanted a tape and a CD player. And um, yeah, I got a stereo system with um, a, a bat out of hell too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> well, you can't have it all. Um, so, so the uh, were, were they separate or were they? Was it like a one of those things that used to go into Dixons and they had millions of them? Um, uh, I don't. We, oh no, 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 no! It was, it was, it was like a block, a like block, a green box thing. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And you, Rob? What was your best ever thing? I think it was probably this uh, this little fort I got, and I must have been five or six years old um and i don't know where it came from it wasn't something that was bought i don't know if my dad bought it from someone he knew or someone that made them but it was like a wooden fort with um you know kind of crafted and it was painted slate gray and it had kind of paper mache uh kind of earthworks around it and i bloody loved that fort and you know historical inaccuracies uh, aside, I had an awful lot of cowboy and Indian fights in that fort. Um, it was great. So that that gave me years of fun. I think Star Wars figures probably made it into that fort at some point. Yeah. So yeah. A fort. Yeah. And you? Oh, sorry about the dogs dying. Um, the uh, best ever present was the Technics Lego helicopter. I think. It, you oh, know, nice. it, it, it meant I didn't have to talk to anybody for the entire Christmas day. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just building that thing with the engine in it and everything. It was it Perfect. was brilliant. They were so difficult. Yeah, they were. Well, when you were 10, they were. Yeah. Blimmin' hard. So what's on, the, what's on everyone's Christmas lifts this year? Well, I'd like, I quite like a, um, a, a running device thing for my wrist. Um, you know, a fitness thing. Whether that's an Apple Watch too, because I swim, or I'm not going to get that. But obviously, or something else. Um, I would. <laughs> yeah, plop. Um, I know someone who's got a pebble. Alex. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All sorts of wearables in my in my drawer. Yeah, um, you, yeah. I mean, we're we're t- we're still talking about the the wearable thing. Um, I think that you know we've spoken about this at length before. Of that, you know, I think Apple completely missed the fitness thing, um, and they're now sort of turning this juggernaut around to face the fitness market, and they're going to gobble it up. I think, and pretty much. Um, but uh, that it appeals to me, you know, something that I can take music with and not have to carry a you know seven hundred pound phone in my pocket when I'm running would be I handy. Do, I, I, I have mixed feelings about about watches and wearables. I've had a lot of um, success and and use out of the ones that I've had. It, um, I like the Apple Watch, but it just um, it was good when I was doing fitness stuff. Um, but I found that the Fitbit has been better for for that kind of thing. Um, and the Pebble was great for notifications. It was like the very early e ink one that that they released, and um, I think I picked up the second one as well. And that was really good for for a while, but it's, it just feels like everything is is a is a a precursor or like a beta version of something that's going to be half decent in a few years' time. Because you don't you, you don't need the Apple Watch has got a camera on it and it's one or camera, but it transmits the image from your phone onto your onto your phone, and you don't you just don't don't need all you don't need a lot of um, high um, kind of spec visuals on on a wristwatch i don't think i just think it needs to tell you how you how your heart rate is and other kind of bio diagnostic stuff and that kind of thing and give you notifications when your emails are called 
Yeah, it's got to be an extension, hasn't it? Rather than a replication, which is what they started at. Um, and, you know, it would half the size of it. And it just, you know, it does your tracks, your fitness or health. And yeah. it tells you the time. And exactly. no, and no <laughs> taps you for notifications. And that's it. Yeah. That's, that's honestly what it needs to be. And it needs yep. to be, a, I think, just a fraction of the size of, of what they are. And it needs to be, a, it can be a band, I think, really, with a, with a clock on it. Yeah. Um, it doesn't need to be big. I mean, there's, there's, there's stuff like um, using it as a, as a, um, a contactless payment thing, which is kind of cool. I did that with the Apple Watch for a while and the London buses and that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, it's, it's easy enough just to reach in your pocket and grab your phone and do it. I, I saw yeah. someone uh, use their Apple Watch to, to uh, uh, beep in at the tube the other day, and they did it so slowly and deliberately it was hilarious <laughs> but you know like like if you've uh, if you're at the self-service checkouts in the supermarket and something has failed to beep 10 times and you kind of present it <laughs> to the scanner like several times kind of slowly they did that with the watch against the kind of oyster card reader with the tide of just... people behind them yeah, exactly <laughs> oh, it was, it was funny that wasn't you was it alan <laughs> <laughs> so what's what's on your christmas list rob well, uh, there's a company called Little Planet Factory, uh, and they make tiny little 3D printed replicas of the pl- of the solar system. Uh, oh, I and saw one this. of their one of their things is the solar system in a bottle, and it's a small glass bottle with a cork in the top, with these little planets in it, um, with logarithmically scaled because obviously Jupiter would be. 5,000 times as big as Earth. Um, but they're beautifully produced. I've got one of their bigger models of Mars. I think it's a 70 mil diameter model. And it's beautiful. And it's fantastic. And the the kind of texture and the, the topography of it is just fab. And it's a lovely looking thing just to have on my desk. And this oh, solar system in a bottle, I think, is just That is brilliant. I've just gorgeous. seen it. It's so cool. Yeah. And they do lots of different stuff, and you can commission different planets. And they do, uh, they do uh, all the kind of small bodies, so you can get kind of like uh, asteroids and things. You can get different moons. You can get little different sets of planets, and I just think they're fabulous. So a solar system in a bottle would be my first pick. That's from the littleplantfactory dot com. Uh, one of my things that I wanted was the the new Star Wars droid. Um, K2SO, I think it's called from the new from Rogue One. It's a really nice, not too expensive Lego kit, and I just think I think stuff like droids just work really well in in Lego. They translate really nice. So some of the kind of the actual the figures, the human figures, don't don't always look so good. Um, and I have invested, shall we say, in a in a virtual reality headset. Oh, yeah, we're going to see how that works out. Um, I love I, your I, investments. <laughs> for the, the Sony PlayStation VR, so we'll see, that's um. Oh, that's exciting. Uh, <laughs> see what kind of do you do you have to do you have to upgrade the console for that to to work? I don't know. I don't think so. I, I, possibly, but I mean, to be honest, these updates only take a few minutes anyway. So, all right. If you were buying a console, would it be the PS4 over the Xbox? Um, 
No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't actually. It would probably be the the Xbox, just because. For me personally, there's not much in them technically, but I I, I think um, the the PS4 probably is is looks better. If uh, so, I, I've got full disclosure. I've got both, but I use PS4 for single player games and multiplayer games. I've found on the Xbox because there's more people and more people I know in there. Ah, right. Yeah. So yeah, we'll um, we'll see. That's that's kind of my the gift to myself. So I was, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe um, I'll, I'll be fun to test it with you at some point, John. See how virtual reality is is working out for us. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, <laughs> we could talk about the because we've been talking recently about art and you know creating it in three dimensional spaces. Um, Surely, Alid is going to be a fan of tilt brush. <laughs> um, I um, I think it has a use um, potentially for creating things in in those that stay in those spaces. I don't really know how if they'd. Like, would you 3D print something that you made in that as an artist yeah. in that? Virtual space? I have no idea. Print, like, no, I think it, yeah, I think it has to stay yeah. in, in in the world. Doesn't? I mean, the potential for it is immense, but it's not. You know, I was just being uh, glib about. You know, it, yes, the, you the article was being ridiculous about it replacing natural art, but um, but yeah, I think it's interesting in the space. And 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 if you're somebody like ID and you're you know you're populating a three dimensional world and you can put your artists inside it and they build it from the inside out using an art you know a three-dimensional vr set then that's pretty impressive yeah it's just funny seeing people with a, with goggles on flapping about with a <laughs> you haven't seen up. rob do the washing up yeah. <laughs> very similar <clears throat> okay John? so uh on to just like little present recommendations um let me think uh i would i i found a really nice thing um i do sometimes i will work in different i try different working techniques so like get things done pomodoro that kind of stuff and there's a uh from the school of life um website there's a 15 minute timer i'll put it in the show notes it's but it's just a beautiful object and i think that's a lovely present to get somebody because it's quite cheap um it looks amazing and it will help people you know if you want to you're working in the day and you want to do quick tasks then breaking it up into little 15 minute segments is a really good way of uh, of getting through a big pile of stuff um so you know you turn everything off nothing's allowed in during that 15 minutes and you've got this lovely object on your desk um i think yeah, really, i like that a lot i think it's really pretty it's a shame they don't yeah. do one in orange yes because that would be winging its way to uh, uh to, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to hampton well, hill Put in a, a, a request. Yeah. Yeah, very nice, that. Uh, another one I saw. Shall I carry on? Do another yeah, yeah. one? Um, they've made drones into Star Wars models. Have you seen this? And you can race them. Yeah. It's called Star Wars Propel. Have you seen that, Alad? I have not, but I'm going to have a look at it. Yeah. Right. Be careful of the noise because it starts playing a film straight away. But the, uh, it is one thing basic- I couldn't work out is how big they are. Yeah, I, I, there's no sense of... It's a bit of a, one of those... Uh, uh, Kickstarter-y build up yeah. the hype. Are they tiny? Um, I have no idea what size they no. are, and how much? How much are they? Yeah, they look fab. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, no, I want one now. Yeah, does it have a camera in it? You know, that would be yeah. awesome, wouldn't it? Race yeah. uh, so, you can. So they basically got little. They're they're um they're a, they're a three dimensional droid that you can fly around, but they've got kind of laser quest built into them, so you can have dogfights. Um, really cool. So what is there? There's a speeder bike, an X-Wing, a TIE fighter, and the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. Very, very cool. Very cool. Indeed, yeah. Cool. I've got a little one. 
Uh, <laughs> what about <laughs> your presence? Native Union. Um, kind of slightly designery peripherals for uh, tech. So they make iPhone cases and charging docks and stuff. Um, and they make really lovely USB cables. And I hate Apple cables because they always snap. Um, kind of uh, the, the joint with the connector. My wife can pretty much destroy a USB cable in about a month. Um, but these are beautiful. Like They've got the kind of fiber fabric braided cables that kind of that old style electrical cable the black and white different colors and they do some really lovely usb cables and in particular there's one called the night cable which is a three meter usb cable uh, for your iphone six or seven and it's got a like a weighted knot so you can keep it on your bedside table and it doesn't just slip off the back which is a really stupid kind of first world problem but it's a beautiful little solution to it, and I think they look fab. So I've I really got, like. I love that. I've got cables. one with a knot in the end of it. It's a keyring. It must be by the same people. Yeah, they, I bought, yeah, they did I bought it in the VNA, I think, or some. Yeah, that was, I'm sure that's them. All right, okay. That's yeah, cool. Really nice little bits of kit. You, you've got a cable one, haven't you, Alad, in your list? Um, yeah, that was a that was a bit tongue in cheek, but it was just it was a, it's by branch by hyphen branch.com um and it's a company that has that has emerged in the shadow of of the single port apple products that have, have been launched um and they kind of uh, as as always happens a little cottage industry is kind of um emerging um selling peripherals and um stuff that sits that's kind of slots onto the side of your 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 new macbook pro and your macbook air and um helps you get all the sockets that a normal person actually needs from day to day what are they playing at what are they playing at i know i know that they want to get rid of some but that is just overkill and just oh, silly abs has got has got one um it's a macbook uh macbook air i think it is um the no, new it's the, one. no it's the macbook isn't it the, the yes, one with just just, just the single usb3 port exactly so um yeah, we, I was transferring some 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 stuff from her phone the other day, and it was running low on power. And of course, there's no way to charge it. <laughs> just in the middle of a massive transfer. Um, just it's, crazy. It's just a, such a basic, basic flaw. Um, someone thought that it was a good idea to kind of try to fulfil Steve Jobs' dream of having a cordless. <clears throat> I, I just think you, I think you've got this company making products for, for such a wider mass of people who aren't power users that the data they're getting back from usage just doesn't suit you know the likes of you or me um, mm. because it doesn't it doesn't fit with anything a designer or a creative would want would want in a professional machine. That's the problem. And to have just a touchscreen strip along the top as your new feature, but you've taken away loads of things that people are dependent on is yeah. is really just not clever. I also, also think it's their obsession with making things so skinny. You know, it's the reason that the, the iPhone uh, has got a, a you know a bulging camera at the back because they were obsessed with making it a millimeter thinner. I, I, it's the I, reason I, why the, the lot of their stuff has such terrible battery life. That 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 camera is a, is a, is it's a hunchback, uh, on, you know, sticking out from a, that lens on the on the yeah. iPhone. 
it really is. A, it's a monstrosity. I, I just, I, I think, I'm surprised Johnny Ive let him get away with it. To be honest. But it is. They're so so pre. They're so obsessed with getting one mil thicker for the next launch. Yeah. That just that's what happens. So, uh, any other present recommendations, or should we move on to next things? I do a really quick mention of two two little things that I some really sweet socks that I think are really awesome. They get they get they did um something with the design museum lately, Lookmate.co, the London-based sock making company, and um, Mondo, which you guys may may know already. They get illustrators, artists to do amazing yeah. screen print work. Um, and they do, they just do, it's a real treat, I think, to look through some of the, like, especially some of the, like, the limited edition vinyl um, covers that they do for soundtracks for, for good films and that kind of thing. So, yeah, fantastic. So, yeah. Uh, but you mentioned socks. Oh, yeah. But those socks, I mean, really? <laughs> what are you saying, like? Are they too much? They're bold, aren't they? Oh, yeah, they are, but I like bold. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen that? Have you seen Alice socks? I haven't. The one that comes up immediately. Yeah, you're right. That is that is pretty bold. Um, But I think there's some pretty sweet ones. I wouldn't pick all of them, but I I think there's a. It's quite cool, and and the fact they're getting illustrators to actually make make socks. Yeah, that is that is pretty cool. They just suit it, don't they? They suit that really bold graphical thing. I like the. uh, There's ones with hundred with um. Uh, well, it's actually the drawing you did for soda, Alid. It's like a yellow one with um, hundreds and thousands all over it. I love that one, actually. That one's great. Yeah, they're cool. Yeah. And they're also a decent price as well, aren't they? Exactly, yeah. Good yeah. stuff. Good stuff. Uh, I've got one last thing. Yeah. Which is definitely something on my uh, Christmas list. It's uh, the House of Illustration, which is um, up in King's Cross uh, Museum and a kind of cultural place uh, for illustrators and illustration exhibitions. Uh, they do uh, an Illustrating People course. <clears throat> a short 10-week course. I think it's 300 and, 275 quid for 10 weeks. Uh, and as you well know, John, I can't draw people. We've discussed this many times. So it's something I'm really tempted to have a go at. Good for you. Yeah, a bit of self-improvement for Christmas. Yeah, course is a really good idea, isn't it? Um, yeah. It's just, I guess, when you're buying that for a present, you've got to know when they're free to, <laughs> free yes, to do it. Exactly. But yeah, that, they're, they're, that's, a really, that's a really good call. Um, well, I think I've got a whole pile of different lists, which we can put into the show notes. Cause we will. Be... I'll do some show notes this week. What? Um, yeah, I know. Yeah. There was one I found for you, Rob, that really, I really like, called the Smart Lab Stardome Planetarium. For a cheap Ooh. for a cheap toy, which is a little like nightstand light for kids, um, and you put a, um, a different lights on it, and it tells you all about the planets and projects it onto your bedroom ceiling. Cool. Yeah, available oh, for me. I don't know if Steph would like it. Yeah, it's sixteen quid from Amazon. Um, oh, a little, little lit dome, and you can learn nice. all about the stars. Website of the week. Um, I'll do mine uh, quickly. Uh, sent to me by my uncle John. Um, it's called Radio Garden. And um, it is like uh, Google Earth. Um, so you load it up in your browser and it live displays all of the radio stations that it finds on the planet Earth and then geolocates where you are 
and plays the the, the nearest radio station. But That's as cool. you as you scroll through Earth, it automatically tunes, and you get a really nice sound effect of it oh, scrubbing nice. through a tuning thing. But there's also you can browse it via stories and and all sorts of you know the history of radios. Um, so it's um yeah, it's really a really cool site to play around with. That's a good one. I like that. What have you got uh, for us, Alad? Well, I don't. Um, I don't go onto new cool websites as often as you guys do. So I, there was one website that I liked that I, I realised that it was quite a long time ago that it's been, it's been published for a while now. But and you may have seen it already. But printed by Somerset dot com. Um, I think a lot of people who listen probably would have seen it. But and I've um, never seen it. Oh, yeah, I hadn't either, and it's okay, bloody okay. Brilliant. absolutely that amazing. Works. Because it's won a bunch of designs uh, awards, so um, it's uh, other people agree, obviously, that it's um, it's pretty good. But it's really good fun to. I sat there with kind of like a smile on my face, going through, clicking all the different things and tearing them apart. Just uh, to explain, it's it's done in is a print company who have um, laid out their website um, as one kind of long printed ream, um, and uh, you can go through and tear off. Um, perforated parts and pop it open like an advent calendar. It's really interactive and and um, just jolly good fun. It's fab, and you can actually order the website as a printed piece, can't you? <laughs> oh, it's just a brilliant, brilliant concept, and it's what it's we're missing in web design. And it's um, and it's what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago was you know sort of the comeback of Flash or not Flash right, yeah. in for for you know kicks, but for um, for that kind of the concept first and then the website afterwards for a single, you know, a single idea concept. This is absolutely brilliant. Um, and it, and it's really refreshing to see it. Um, yeah, it's just to make, it's just brilliant. I can't yeah. say anything else other than that. Yeah. No, no, I haven't seen it. And, and our website of the week isn't about current things, Alad. It could be as old as old as the Hills. No, we had the space jam website on a few weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> from 1993 or something. It's still alive. Yeah. Uh, so my website of the week is womenwhodraw.com. Um, and this has been, there's been quite a lot of this on Twitter this week, and I've heard it on a couple of podcasts. And it's an open directory of female professional illustrators. Um, and it's never really dawned on me that illustration is uh, an industry that suffers kind of from gender inequality as much as some i mean certainly design i've worked with easily as many female designers and art workers and art directors than as i have male um and i perhaps it's just me but i you know follow an awful lot of female illustrators on twitter and instagram but i think this is a great you know we don't live in a perfect world uh gender inequality is a is an issue and this i think is brilliant uh so you can go if you're an art director and you're looking for an illustrator you can go on here and you can search by all sorts of different things by style you can also search by race and ethnicity and religion and orientation and i think for a lot of publishers or a lot of kind of editorial needs where it's it is great for your the people who provide and produce the content, whether that be illustration or writing, is aligned with the the sex or orientation of your readership. 
So I think it's a great resource and there's some amazing work on there. So it's just even regardless of whether you're commissioning anything or not, it's a brilliant site to have a look at just to find beautiful illustration. So that's uh, womenwhodraw.com. Yeah, I found so this. It's a brilliant site. It just yeah. keeps scrolling as well. They didn't realize it's <laughs> forever. Yeah. Women forever. Yeah. It's fab. It is interesting. Um, the, the idea of identity politics as well. And um, kind of uh, some people would, would say kind of a, 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 a reverse or a positive discrimination in finding, um, you know, an illustrator or an artist of a certain sex or sexual persuasion or, um, or ethnicity. It's a, it's an interesting idea for sure. Yeah. It struck me as complex, um, kind of looking at it, but I, I just think it probably does in this imperfect world. I think it really does serve a, a good purpose. Completely agree. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, I hope that we see much more political-based graphic design um, and illustration. And if this, you know, pulls people into the editorial side, you know, that believe in the things that are being written about, and their illustrations are, are helping to sell that message, then that's only a good thing, isn't it? That that voices that are going to be as as we get more and more populist um, that are still still being listened to. Yeah. Absolutely. And find somewhere where they can express themselves without fear of being attacked or um, or shushed or whatever. Um, yeah, good one. Good one. Yeah. Uh, it's pie time. Well, pie time. <laughs> we all had a delivery today. Yes. Exciting. Now, I thought you'd be excited, Rob. Do you want to say where they're from? Well, they're from Betty's. Uh Betty's the finest cafe and tea room in uh, the the whole of the Western world. Um, Betty's of York, Betty's of Harrogate, North Allerton, Harlow Gardens. <laughs> I can name them all. I've been to most of them. Uh, well, my parents got married. Oh, they had their wedding reception in Betty's in York, and we've been going there for, in the for many years. Sorry, what was that? Is that in the town centre? The uh, the one? Yes, in the- right in the middle. Oh, that's the one that I've been to. I've had breakfast there. It was an excellent breakfast. It's just fantastic. And a good Yorkshire tea as well. Yeah. So it was founded by a, a, a Swiss guy, uh, Frederick Belmont, who married a Yorkshire woman. Uh, and they founded Betty's Tea Rooms. I think oh. there's six or, six or seven of them across Yorkshire now. And they're marvellous. So where did these pies... We know they came from Betty's, John, but... Uh, who were... Who, uh, Hannah Wilson, uh, my sister-in-law, and oh. Alid, uh, Alid, your sister-in-law. Yes, our shared sister-in-law. Well, she, this is all very complicated. She, she has posted them to, or had them posted to us in beautiful packaging, and um, very kindly, um, and said thank you for uh, giving her something to listen to on the tube. Um, so you're welcome, Hannah. Thank you very, very much. You're very naughty, and um, yeah. looking forward to seeing you at Christmas. Many, many thanks, Hannah. <laughs> so, just I, brought a tear to my eye. Um, I can pass on the thanks myself because she's in the other room looking after our. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. She is, yeah. <laughs> oh bless her. So um, 
Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm going to... Should we all do it simultaneously? Let's just go, Let's just go in. Let's have some simultaneous munching. Pile in. <laughs> are you, um, is yours accompanied or anything? Are you just going for the, the, the raw pie? I'm still drinking the pot. What do you mean? Like brandy butter? Well, that's why I've got a bit of brandy cream on the side. Oh, really well, going for it. I've run. I've. I have no liquid in the in the room, apart oh. from maybe a dog puddle. Go <laughs> <laughs> try dunking. Hmm. Good pastry. It's really good. Pastry, really good mince meat. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm going to give that. I'm going to give mine a seven. Oh, see, I think he's getting eight. Yeah. What I like about them is they're not too sweet because too, too many mince pies and mince meat is just too sort of sickly sweet. And these, I think the fact that you can really taste the gorgeous pastry. Well, I would give it win, an eight. I'd win. give it an eight, but my star was slightly off centre. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm going to give mine a, a, a pie debut um, eight. And yeah. uh, I, I really enjoy it, but I, I've got to be completely honest. I'm not a mince pie fan, but this is actually really good. Oh yeah, the fruit, the fruit thing. Does that extend across to dried fruit? <laughs> <laughs> are you are you a fruitophobe? I do eat. I do, I do have some vitamin problems in. No, I, I'm not. I do. I do eat fruit. You know, generally speaking, sometimes he doesn't. We don't have to worry about you getting scurvy. <laughs> Um, he's a scurvy knave well that's a damn fine pie I think well um, thank you for um, the pies Hannah um, Alid yeah, thank, you. thank you so much for sparing some time and coming to talk to us absolute pleasure um, hope you don't have to edit me out too much you know oh completely sorry sorry for the ill completely <laughs> <laughs> and apologies for the um, crappy audio but I'll work on that and um, maybe uh, maybe next time we come on Assuming I'll be back. Yeah, we'd love to have you back. Well, hang on, John. Well, so it goes down with the listeners first. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see how, we'll see see how the headlines are looking tomorrow we'll, morning. We'll crowdsource some opinions. <laughs> uh, no, Alan, it's been uh, it's been great having you on. It's really nice being uh, been able to talk to you. Yeah, so it's and, and nice to meet you virtually. Yeah. And good luck with um, with whatever you've got coming next year. I look forward to the 365, and I'll see you on Boxing Day, I think. Let's not call it 365. Let's call it make something every day until it, you run out of steam. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Has that got an acronym? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Well, uh, thanks, uh, everyone, for listening, and um, we'll see you next week. Chris, talk to you, gents. Cheerio. Bye. 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 Were no good for making carbon in this life.